You've heard of BetaShares. You've probably seen the logo on our podcast. You might even be among their 1 million investors. So you can imagine that I'm delighted to say BetaShares is the official ETF partner of the Australian Finance Podcast. With nearly 100 exchange-traded funds, you can go to betashares.com.au and immerse yourself in ETFs and unique insights covering all of the sectors, themes, core and satellite positions you could want. Think cybersecurity through the Hack ETF, robotics and AI with the RBTZ ETF, and uranium with the URNM ETF. The list goes on. To explore the BetaShares ETF range, visit betashares.com.au, read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website, and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Is there a Spotify wrapped for investing? If you want to invest in shares or ETFs, our friends at Perla are more than one step ahead of the curve. On average, people who use Perla invest $1,750 every month. That's what we want to see, proper dollar cost averaging. With automated investing tools making your life simple, Perla investors have well and truly mastered the art of investing small bits lots of times. So if you're ready to start growing your net worth in 2024, follow the link in your Spotify or Apple podcast player right now to discover how you can get started today. Hey there, here's a quick note. This podcast contains general financial advice only. That means it's not specific to you, your needs, goals, or objectives. So don't act on the information until you've spoken with your financial advisor. You'll find our full disclosure, disclaimer, and link to our financial services guide in the show notes. Hello, I'm Kate Campbell. And I'm Owen Rask. And you're listening to the Australian Finance Podcast. A podcast where we talk about money, finance, investing, and all that good stuff. We're helping you invest your time and money better one podcast episode at a time. Yes, so please subscribe if you like the series. And don't forget you can find us on social media. We're on all the platforms. Kate, where can people go? You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Rask Australia. That's R-A-S-K Australia. Mm -hmm. And I'm Owen Rask on Twitter or Owen Rask AU on Instagram. Beware the imitators. People like to copy us. Without further ado, let's jump in to today's episode. Kate, welcome to the first part of our summer series on the Australian Finance Podcast. It's going to be a big month and we've put a lot of content for you together to help you sort of take a break with your finances this month, but also think about the year ahead and what your goals are and what you want to achieve throughout the year. Yeah, so Kate has specifically designed a series of great episodes that talk about all of the things you kind of want to know, but we're going to do it in a very relaxed way. I think that's one of the key things for the summer series. Yeah, so it's somewhere between our normal interviews and money and chill, somewhere in the middle. So there'll be some key takeaways and action points from every episode and some resources. Plus, we'll be having quite a few friends of the podcast throughout the series uh, joining us for these episodes. Yeah, so we'll cover things like property, bank accounts, investing movies, fun things that you can do to get ahead financially in terms of investing, but also saving money. So there's something for everyone. Yeah. So this will be happening throughout the month of January. So there'll be plenty of content for you. And then we'll be back with normal programming in February. If you're new here, is this, if this is your first month listening to the Australian Finance Podcast, we would love it if you could subscribe. We've done series like this in the past, Kate. We've done one on ETFs and share investing on so many things in the back catalog. But we'll also be doing so much more in the year ahead. 2023 is going to be a big one on the Australian Finance Podcast. Yeah, and I probably should remind people that if you're looking for something a little bit more advanced this year, we've got 
Owen's other podcast, the Australian Investors Podcast, where he talks to some fantastic fund managers, analysts, people that live and breathe investing in all sorts of different types of things. So that's another good thing that you could start listening to this month. Yeah, if you've been listening to the Australian Finance Podcast for a few years and you think, maybe I want to take it a bit you know, more technical and, and learn a bit more, you can go and check out the summer series that's also available on the Investors Podcast. So that's the yellow one that will be available wherever you get your podcast. So you can go and check that out. There's a heap of fun episodes coming down the pike there as well. And if 2023 is the year that you start your very first business, Owen also has a Starter Pack series on the Australian Business Podcast, which is the green podcast, which covers everything you need to know about starting and running your own business. Yeah. So we've already enrolled around about 2,400 students into the course that goes along with the Australian business podcast that's going to be a real hit this year because people seem to love it so if you are interested in running your own business having a side hustle growing your business selling your business basically anything go and check out the Australian business podcast but Kate let's get into these episodes because we've got so much to do in January we're so happy that you're here and listening with us and thanks for going on this journey with us for the very first episode of our summer series we're going to be talking about 10 of the most expensive suburbs in australia and surprise surprise they're all in a very similar location yeah they're all on the outskirts of sydney where sydney suburbs meet the ocean and the and the bay there so we've got so a few other ideas and pete wargent is our special guest for today if you don't know who pete is he's been on the show before but pete is a prolific author blogger, Twitter personality. Property investor himself. Property investor. And some might even say he was the original FIRE or financial independence advocate in Australia. So he's got so many great insights. He's one of Australia's best property economists and he breaks all of these things down for us and also gives us some tips for 2023. Yeah, it's a great episode. So hope you enjoy. Yeah, just a quick editor's note we will add is that we've recorded this across three different states across two different weeks because we had some technical issues. But it's a great episode and we hope you enjoy the 10 most expensive suburbs in Australia with Pete Wargent. Kate Campbell, welcome to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. It is wonderful to be back, Owen, in a brand new year. Yeah, brand new year. Um, Today we're talking property and today we're joined by none other than Pete Wargent. How are you going, mate? Really good, guys. It's uh, great to be back on as always and Happy New Year. Happy New Year, yeah. Um, today, mate, we're talking about one of the fun things that I think a lot of us like to do, whether we jump online or whether we pick up one of those real estate magazines or maybe it's like an insert into the paper of the, the 10 most expensive suburbs. And we're going to talk about basically what you've been working on a bit um, this year uh, and into the new year. So this, I mean, property is always topical, but I think on the back end of 2022, man, it was like everyone was worried, everyone was fearful. So we're hoping you can bring some calm to that and some sensibility in the, in the analysis. Um, so as we move into the new year, mate, what what should people be thinking about? Like anyone listening to this, maybe they own a home, maybe they're thinking of investing in a property. What are some of the things that people should be mindful of as we move into a new year? Yeah, I think the uh, by far and away the biggest um, issue as it relates to real estate at the moment is um, inflation and interest rates, which I guess are tied together. Um, mm. Now, we've uh, been through a period where the cash rate target essentially went to zero, 10 basis points, and everybody went to, to that side of the ship and said, you know, interest rates are going to be stuck low forever, never going to get them away from the zero lower bound. And then in the space of a relatively short period of time between May 
and the end of 2022, everyone's gone to the other side of the ship and said inflation is going to be with us for decades. We won't get it back down. Interest rates are just going to go up. Um, usually you find with most uh, property stories and most clickbait that the truth is somewhere in the middle. Um, and I think, you know, if you look at what financial markets, which have actually been more reliable than most of the talking heads over the past year or so, uh, well, they're pricing for interest rates to go a little bit higher, but not too much higher. So I'm um, assuming they're somewhere close to the truth. We might have a couple of interest rate hikes in 2023, but eventually you start to see markets looking for interest rates to fall again towards the end of the year. Um, so there's a bit of pain to be uh, got through first, but um, like a lot of these things, um, as I said, the, the truth is usually somewhere in the middle. Now, Pete, before we jump into the list of suburbs where the houses are definitely out of my price range, probably Owens too, unless he's got yep. a secret stash of money that I don't know about. I'm keen to hear what, are there any properties or suburbs or maybe particular features about the property that you're keeping your eye on this year? Um, I think, well, the, the main the main driver at the moment is confidence. If you look at the um, the fundamentals of the housing market, um, we've seen an increase uh, to the immigration intake to a, an all-time high. Uh, we've got a, a stonking rebound in the number of temporary visa holders. Um, I think broadly, if you project out the numbers from the federal budget, you can expect Australia's population to go from around 26 million today to about 29 million by the end of 2030. If you look at it mm. sort of over wow. the, the course of the decade, it's a lot of demand for housing, huge demand, in fact. Um, so there's going to be a lot of pressure on the rental markets because most new arrivals to Australia tend to be renters rather than buyers. And so that's something that Governor Lowe has recently flagged at the Reserve Bank. Um, how is the rental supply going to keep up with all this demand for people coming into the country? So that's definitely one key dynamic. Um, we've got very low unemployment rates at the moment, so um, lowest in a generation or in over 50 years. So there's a job by and large for everyone who wants one and plenty of opportunity to ask for a pay rise or change jobs and get a pay rise. So yeah, lots of the fundamentals for the housing market are very strong, but everyone's just worried about this one factor, which is how high a mortgage rate's going to go. Mm. And if you're a buyer or even an existing uh, person in the housing market, you just need to keep an eye on your repayments and ability to make those repayments because the uh, the payments have been rising since around May 2022. Does that mean, Pete, that when well, we've talked about this a lot, but does that mean when you're looking at buying a property that you take that longer term perspective, you know, five to 10 years? Is that ideally what people should be thinking about? Yeah, I think so. You generally find not least because of the transaction costs that um, property tends to work better from a financial standpoint anyway, if you if you try and take a five or 10 year plus view, um, because buying and selling comes with its own costs. Um, the same also applies though to the mortgage rates. Um, now, mm. If you're going to a mortgage broker or a, a lender today, they will actually stress test you for a further three percentage point increase in the mortgage rate that you're borrowing at. So. You know, for the sake of round numbers again, if you're applying for a mortgage at 5%, then the lender or broker will have to stress test you to see whether you can comfortably make the repayments on an 8% mortgage rate should that ever come past. So, um, but I think even just from a personal finance perspective, yeah, you do need to sort of take that longer term view and accept that you know, just um, 
Oh, I don't want to fall into the Warren Buffett trap and uh, <laughs> quote the great man, but it's like, as he would say. That's one for the year. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and we'll start as you mean to carry on. Um, I think if, you know, if you were going to own a, you know, a farm or something, you'd have to look at, you know, the long-term uh, yield, but you'd, ex you'd expect there'd be good and bad years. And it's exactly the same if you're going to own a house, you know, the, the rents and the vacancy rates might be up and down. If you're an investor, the mortgage rates will definitely be up and down. And you generally find the prices cycle as well. So, uh, yes, you're right. I think generally speaking, if you can take a longer term view rather than reading the day to day or week to week news, that tends to help. Awesome. Well, I think we have to share this this list of properties that are probably out of our, our reach for quite a long time. But the the 10 most expensive suburbs in 2022 uh, we've got, I think, the same list in front of us, Pete, from realestate.com.au, but I thought it would be a bit more exciting. All the places are in, in Sydney, it seems. Uh, yes, and in fact, um, I think that the, the most expensive suburb in Australia is Point Piper, but so few properties uh, transacted in 2022 that they couldn't even come up with a median figure. It would, would hmm. be skewed by you know, the extremely expensive properties in some cases. Uh, but you're right, the, the top 10 suburbs are generally driven by Sydney's eastern suburbs, so Point Piper, Bellevue Hill, Vaucluse, Dover Heights, Double Bay, Rose Bay. So I guess anyone who's lived in Sydney's eastern suburbs would be mm. familiar with the list. It's worth um, sort of, uh, so I suppose, exploring why do prices continue to, to just go higher and higher in these suburbs. Bellevue Hill and Vaucluse have got median uh, house prices of above $8 million now and Point Piper mm. is off the charts. Um, I guess if it goes back to, um, if you've read some history of economics, uh, uh, Torstein Veblen back in the 19th century talked about the theory of the leisure class and uh, what we call Veblen goods. So uh, there's some things that as they get more expensive, they become more desirable. It's because it's a, a status symbol, something that other people can't have. So if you can buy a house in Bellevue Hill, but only you know this many people can afford it, in a, in a curious way, um, it doesn't work in the same way as supply and demand normally does. You know, normally, if something gets more expensive, the demand falls away. That doesn't really happen in these uh, prestige suburbs. In a sense, the, the higher prices go in Point Piper, well, the more people want to own. It's uh, quite a paradox. Mm. Have you ever had any clients buying properties in these, these 10 expensive suburbs? Uh, yeah, quite a few when, when I was Sydney-based. I used to live in the eastern suburbs myself, but uh, I wasn't a house owner, just I had a unit in uh, in Bondi, <laughs> like a lot of farms. Um, so not we, Bellevue Hill. Uh, no, but um, it's one of the interesting points, actually, is that the, the gap between median house prices and median unit prices in 2022 is the biggest gap we've ever had. And if you were to look at um, buying a unit or apartment in some of these eastern suburbs well the, the ratio of unit to house prices if you take an example like centennial park you know the median unit price is about 850k or thereabouts house prices over 6 million so the, the ratio is about 14 15 percent um so if you're buying a unit in a boutique block you can actually get some pretty decent value there um because you're getting a, a fair chunk of land value um but um yeah you only need to extrapolate those stamp duty numbers that we talked about just before. If you're looking at a six or eight million dollar purchase, it's it's an extremely punishing exercise 
uh, to be buying in those price ranges. So it's uh, it's a bit like the old phrase: if you have to ask the price, you can't afford it. Um, it is a bit like that when it comes to uh, houses in the eastern suburbs. Yeah, they, yeah, on this on this list, Pete, we've got is it uh, Longview, Palm Beach, Mossman, Bronte, and then yeah, Port Piper, which you mentioned. I feel like that does does that um, unit versus house price thing play out in other suburbs around the world, and particularly like these more expensive suburbs? Because I feel like in Victoria or Melbourne, you tend to find that in places like Turak, where there's super expensive housing, but the units you can still rent or buy for seemingly reasonable prices. Uh, yes, that um, in the very blue chip areas, um, I think um, if you went to somewhere like uh, West One in London, well, you can certainly find uh, flats and townhouses that are phenomenally expensive in places like Mayfair. I think the same would actually apply to Point Piper. If you've got a unit there with a view of the harbour, um, mm. you're probably looking at a fifteen million dollar entry price. But you're right, though. If you if you look at um, places like Vaucluse or Bellevue Hill, or Centennial Park, uh, unit prices aren't aren't far out of whack with what you'd pay in the inner city. And that just goes back to what, you know, the idea of the Veblen goods, you know, the, what the, the stuff that's really in scarce, um, in scarce supply is detached homes. Um, so unit prices, although they've performed well over the years, are relatively speaking cheaper. Um, and I think, um, if you remember last time I was in Melbourne, Kate, we talked about um, private schools and elite schools it's it's a bit the same you know, the elite schools can almost charge you know bigger and bigger fees all the time and the, you know the the more sought after they become the higher the fees go well that's another example of a veblen good well, it's, it's the same really in these luxury houses in sydney and um, i think as as you mentioned kate um you know the the top 10 list um including longville uh towards uh, the northern uh, suburbs and uh, Palm Beach, Northern Beaches, uh, they're all in Sydney, but the, the Melbourne has its own um, entrance uh, with places, suburbs like Turak that you mentioned. You know, they'd, they'd be around about the $5 million median. Uh, Perth has got a couple of really expensive suburbs as well, like Peppermint Grove. Uh, so it's not not just the Sydney thing. Mm. Yeah, well, even um, uh, Cottesloe in, in Perth and on the beach there is super expensive. I know that's where some of the big mining magnets have their places overlooking the beach and um, all around Australia, even um, Canberra, Pete, is like really well known, maybe not so much at the, the $8 million median, but it's really well known for having quite expensive property. Yeah, exactly right. And I think, um, you know, as Kate said just before, you know, it's the sort of thing that people, when they're bored, they'll go onto realestate.com, look for the most expensive houses, most expensive suburbs. Um, I, I think there is potentially here. Yeah, this this ties back to what you call the, the relative consumption trap. You know, you, just because something is there and it's very expensive, and uh, a lot of brands have benefited from this over the years. You know, Lamborghini, Gucci, um, I don't know, Rolex watches. Um, but it, it is potentially something of a trap. You know, from a personal finance perspective. Um, you know, a lot of studies have found that you know people's happiness can be adversely impacted by what somebody else is earning completely irrational uh, but why do we do it i think uh, people tend to compare themselves with other people in their cohort but it's not going to help you i guess you know as an investor particularly you know if you're following uh, the rask model of you know investing your wealth in productive businesses if you if you tie up all of your money in a big mortgage just so you can get into a blue chip suburb well that's not going to help you from a uh, you know it's, it's the relative consumption trap has got you then. 
Yeah, I can imagine the the mortgagey payments in uh, Dover Heights or Double Bay would be quite astronomical. Yeah, if you were, if, if there, not many of the buyers, I guess, would be heavily mortgaged in those suburbs. And one of the things that Australia um, doesn't have is big inheritance taxes um, or big death duties. So a lot of that wealth gets passed down intergenerationally. I don't think you'd find much in the way of mortgage stress in Point Piper because. You know, people aren't borrowing ten or twenty million dollars to buy there. They're they're really using equity, business wealth, or intergenerational wealth, um, which is why you know mere mortals uh, can't can't buy there from a financial perspective because the, <laughs> as you said, the uh, the mortgage repayments would be absurdly high. For us mere mortals, if we were looking for some suburbs that potentially were more affordable and within our budget, would real estate or domain be a place to start searching for that? Depends what you're looking for, I suppose, whether you're looking as a home buyer or as an investor. Um, you're right. I mean, the, the, the two main portals in Australia, um, REA Group has realestate.com.au and uh, domain.com.au is the other one. Uh, I think they're a good starting point for people, uh, give you an idea. You know, you can look at some of the properties that have sold recently or previously, give you an idea of how far your budget might go. Um, but it's, um, I guess it goes back to the old um, Stephen Covey thing, you know, try and begin with the end in mind and, and try and work out, you know, what is it that you're hoping to achieve, uh, whether it's as an investor or as a home buyer, um, because you'd be surprised how many people just do stuff because it's what everyone else is doing without questioning exactly why they're buying what they are. Mm. Is this, I feel like for a lot of these suburbs, Pete, to that point is like, it's, it's, yeah, it's almost so out of touch. Like people should be looking for other traits of suburbs. So things like where we see gentrification or developments, uh, those types of uh, things. If if you were to say, if you had like a blank canvas in a city, say someone's at, in Adelaide or wherever, Brisbane, and you just have a blank canvas, what are some of the things, like obviously not a complete list because that's what you do for a profession, right? But just some of the things that you should be looking for as a general theme when you're looking at suburbs to that may become more, um, I guess, expensive in the future? Yeah, so I guess there's, there's a few different um, uh, sort of theories that people use. Um, so what, one of the things, um, and uh, does a Charlie Munger quote count? Is they, uh, <laughs> as a, about the, the, uh, the, the quotes about the short term being a voting machine and the long term a weighing machine. There is, there are definitely some. Um, there's a lot of research that's been done over the decades to show that certain landlocked suburbs tend to deliver solid capital growth returns over a very long period of time, and that's because the demand in general is going up. Um, there's, there's no new land to be released. Sometimes properties get demolished and rebuilt, and so on. Um, so. Um, that might not apply, though, if you're looking at, say, for example, a mining town. They might have a big run-up in prices. You know, if you're mm. looking at somewhere like Gladstone or Broken Hill, or uh, we saw the same in uh, northwest of Australia up near Port Hedland. Uh, but they, then you tend to get big spikes in prices and they drop back, and the long-term results aren't that good. Um, so yeah, generally, uh, you know, looking at historic returns can be a good start. But um, yeah, if you're looking for places that are going to perform or outperform. You generally want them to be gentrifying or improving in some way. Um, so new transport connections can be good. Um, often you do see in real estate kind of a ripple effect, uh, which we've definitely seen in Brisbane over the past uh, five years, where you had some very expensive blue chip suburbs around places like 
uh, Hawthorne and New Farm and so on. But as people couldn't afford those, the, you know, the growth rippled outwards. And uh, a good case in point would be somewhere like um, you got suburbs like Graceville and Corinda with you know, private schools and so on. And people were priced out of those suburbs and went along to the you know, the next suburb along the train line, effectively, places like Oxley. And you can see how the, as the gentrification continues, you know, the capital growth has been very strong. Um, so there's, there's a few different things you can look at. And if, you, if you're a real data nerd, there's, there's indicators you can look at, uh, things like um, the rise in two income households and, and household income and so on. So, Pete, I guess a question that a lot of our audience are going to want to know, and indeed Kate and I want to know about, is basically like what suburbs are you looking at? Because you have national reach, right? And you do your analysis all across the country. So where are you seeing, I guess, opportunities or just even things that are interesting? So I think um, the big thing that's going to change next year in the housing market is that um, the New South Wales Premier has successfully passed a first home buyer law reform. So first home buyers from mid-January 2023 won't have to pay stamp duty if they opt not to up to the $1.5 million price point. So that will probably mean that when the housing rebound begins, it will be led by New South Wales, but from the bottom end of the market upwards. Um, So if you follow that line of thinking, and I saw um, SQM Research put out its uh, 2023 boom and bust report predictions, and they predict uh, Sydney and New South Wales will lead the rebound uh, partly for that reason and also because that's where some of the bigger price declines have happened. Um, so if you're looking at suburbs um, in the lower end of the, the price points or from the bottom end of the market, lower quartile, you'd probably be looking at uh, suburbs around Wollongong, Central Coast, some of those markets that are still within a, a striking distance of the city for people who need to be in the office two or three days a week. Uh, so they're still within that gravitational pull of Sydney, but a little bit cheaper. Um, and even within Sydney itself, there are obviously unit prices. Um, I saw SQM are expecting units to outperform houses next year, partly because of uh, the reform to stamp duty. So that's one place um, SQM thinks Perth will also uh, finally uh, start to see some capital growth after a very lean decade. And that's partly because rental vacancies are now very close to zero in Western Australia. Pete, one of the things that... Um we've spoken about before. One thing that maybe you can just talk to a little bit is this idea of gentrification because in, in particularly in Melbourne around like the inner ring, that happened quite a little while ago and now it seems to be happening in the outer ring and maybe you can just define what that term means. Um, and just if you see that taking place in other areas around the country. Yeah, so generally um, there is a, a, a concept in real estate so the idea of the ripple effect. Um, so if prices... Um, rise in a certain area, um, families get priced out and then they look for the next available equivalent. So in Brisbane, um, a recent example through this cycle would be somewhere like Oxley, which was previously a very working class area, not much in the way of amenities. Uh, But prices went um, much higher in suburbs like Graceville and Corinda, which are adjacent. Um, And then people started looking, well, one stop further along the train line. Um, big investment from firms like Woolworths and uh, big development around the train station there. And every time you go back to the suburb, you can see it's changing. The old uh, sort of post-war Queensland houses being pulled down, replaced with new builds. Um, So that's kind of a recent example over the past decade. I think in Brisbane, um, over the decade ahead, you'll probably find it some of those suburbs on the north side. 
Um, I think one of the things that has changed a little bit over the past uh, two or three years is that people don't need to be in the city five days a week now. Uh, so potentially, as you mentioned, it's some of those suburbs that are a little bit further out from the CBD, maybe in the sort of 10 to 20k radius in Brisbane, which is starting to see the gentrification. Still got decent schools. You can still get to the city if you need to, but not everybody needs to be in the office every day now. So it sounds like there's a lot ahead of us this year in the property market. Mm. Yeah, so um, I guess, yeah, the time of recording, we've got um, the cash rate target is now um, above 3%, which um, even sort of sort of nine, 10 months ago, people would have thought, um, well, they would have said it was unthinkable that we'd get so much in the way of tightening so quickly. Um, so I think the dynamic for 2023 will probably be different. We won't see much more in the way of interest rate hikes, but there's a lot of caution. I think until people get comfortable that we've seen the terminal cash rate for the cycle, a lot of people sitting on the sidelines just looking for uh, some validation, I guess, that um, interest rates aren't going to go too much higher. All right, Pete. Well, we've got a lot ahead of us this year and a jam-packed summer series ahead, but I thought we'd leave listeners at the end of this episode with a couple of your top tips for people who are potentially buying their first home this year or maybe selling and getting an upgraded home or buying an investment property. Yeah, usually um, when it comes to making such a big decision, um, because it's not just a real estate decision, it's a life decision to to buy your first place. I think we'll see a lot of people doing it in New South Wales because uh, the deposit hurdle has effectively come down. Um, Previously, you had to save not only the deposit, but on a million-dollar purchase, another $40,000 of stamp duty. Well, people can opt not to pay the stamp duty now. So I think we'll see a lot of people... Uh, first home buyers coming into the market in New South Wales because people often sort of, um, we're quite mimetic. You know, we do what our our friends and other people in our cohort are doing. And I think anyone with access to the bank of mum and dad uh, will be looking to buy. Uh, Usually it makes sense though, just to take a step back. Um, Buying because everyone else is, isn't necessarily the best way to go. Uh, Usually um, we'd say, try and begin with the end in mind and work out, well, what's, what's the strategy? Do you want to buy somewhere where you realistically they're going to be living for the next five, 10 years, say? Um, or if that's not the case, would you not be better off potentially renting and maybe getting a foot on the ladder elsewhere? So I think the number one thing is think about the strategy uh, rather than just buying blindly because everyone else is. Uh, I, I think, think we hear that a lot with yeah. investing as well, having a plan and actually thinking through your decisions and not just following what your next door neighbour or your colleague's doing. Yeah, and also, um, you know, things change. You know, uh, life gets in the way. Uh, circumstances change. Uh, these days, people change jobs and careers more frequently. So um, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a, a set and forget plan, but at least, um, yeah, try and think strategically. I think these days, even first home buyers need to think with an investor mindset because you know, if you get that first purchase right, then it can really set you up financially for life. If you make a a mistake, you don't do your due diligence, or if you overpay, uh, we've often seen people get into trouble buying off the plan units, which don't prove to be worth what people thought they might be. Um, you know, if you if you get the first decision wrong, it can really set you back over time, and uh, you know, partly because of um, the power of uh, compounding and leveraging on good decisions, as you know. Yeah, that's certainly. Um, this is certain, if you are a first time buyer listening to this, that's just our advice would always be, you know, to think about seeing a professional. Um, 
both mortgage brokers, buyers, advocates, or agents, and so on and so forth. And and Pete uh, has a website, uh, buyersbuyers.com.au. And Pete's also prolific on Twitter, so I'll put a link in the show notes to that one. Um, but if you do need to get in touch with a buyer's agent, you can you can reach out to to Pete's uh, to Pete's website, to Pete's platform, Buyers Buyers, and, and connect with someone there. But mate, we really appreciate you taking the time to join us on the show today. I'm sure we'll speak to you again in 2023 because it's going to uh, be an interesting year for us. So on behalf of Kate and I, thanks for, thanks for joining us. Yeah, pleasure. And uh, look forward to catching up again next year. Well, Kate, that was a great episode with Pete Wargent. I feel like one of the things that people will want to come away with from this episode is basically, what were those 10 suburbs again? And can we aspire to one day live in one of these places? Yeah, so there's a lot of suburbs that I wasn't familiar with as someone who grew up in country Victoria and now lives close to the Melbourne CBD. But these 10 most expensive suburbs, uh, according to the the list that we got, I think it was from realestate.com.au, but I'll put it in the show notes. They are... Bellevue Hill. Yeah, Vaucluse. Dover Heights. Double Bay. Rose Bay. Longville. Palm Beach. Mossman. Bronte. And Point Piper. So all in and around Sydney. Um, We're probably lucky that we live in Melbourne and uh, we don't have to drive through these suburbs because we probably couldn't afford them even if we wanted to. We should probably go visit some because I don't think I've been to any of these suburbs. No, but there are some wonderful suburbs, not just in Sydney, but right around Australia. I hope you enjoyed the list that Pete brought to to us today. Uh, And don't forget, you can go and find, you know, really nice suburbs and you can do a bit of window shopping on (laughs) realestate.com.au or domain in your city. Uh, We'd love to know what you think about these suburbs uh you can find us on social media so thanks for tuning into the first episode of the summer series we've got plenty more to come thanks for tuning in to this episode of the australian finance podcast where our mission is to improve the financial futures of all australians if you'd like to learn more create a free account at risk.com.au forward slash account to download free episode workbooks bonus resources and take our amazing free personal finance courses you can also join our online community by following the link in the description. If you enjoyed the show, what we'd love is for you to leave us a snappy review on iTunes. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Rask Australia. Kate and I are also on both of those channels. Finally, if you have any feedback, suggestions for episodes or guests to come on the show, or you just have a question for us, shoot us an email at podcast at rask.com.au. Are you thinking about starting your wealth creating journey, but not sure where to put your hard earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, 
designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says Invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.